wonderful truth it is that when we trust Christ, we are His forever. And He is ours forever. And so that theme is really, in essence, the God, a very strong gospel theme in that song. It ties in well as we consider, continue to consider, the power of the gospel and its work in throughout all the world in very conspicuous places and very insignificant to our minds places. The power of the gospel is always uh, at work. And we're going to continue this introduction to Colossians tonight. So Colossians chapter 1, and we're working through verses 1 through 8. The fruitful work of the gospel, that theme is going to be clear, especially in the second half of the passage. Tonight, again, the theme of Colossians, the themes, and one of the major ones, as I've already mentioned, the supremacy of Jesus Christ. He's all we need, his sufficiency, but also his power as creator, cosmic power and authority. Um, you, rather unique, there's, Ephesians mentions it, but Colossians more so, Jesus' authority over all other spiritual beings as well, and his relationship to the church. Power of the gospel, our eternal hope that we have through Christ, and very practically how the effects of that, how we live the Christian life currently in the present day. All this and more in this little book uh, written to this the church in the city of Colossae. And we won't get to all that again because we talked about that last week where Colossae is. You can find it in maps in the back of your book. And uh, so let's let's continue to jump in here as we, we continue. But um, from the very beginning of this letter, Paul makes it clear the power of the gospel is all that is needed for real change, spiritual change to occur. In our culture, society today, there's a lot of things offered that supposedly provide change, um, whether physical or spiritual or mental change. Every, all kinds of, of various things that you can bring some sort of change to your current condition. But folks, it's only the gospel that brings lasting change. And we see that even now as we go back to this. And so we're just going to read through the first eight verses, pray together, and look at this again more closely. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you. And peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Father, let us continue to gain much from the discussion and in-depth look into this little book that packs so much about Jesus Christ in this. 
that he is truly all that we need. He's all sufficient, all powerful. He rules over all and is then able to do a great work in us that can be seen literally in our daily lives and the practicalities of life. Jesus is powerful through our acceptance of the gospel to do a mighty work and give us victory over sin and help us to live for him. So let us see that and let us see and marvel and be encouraged by the fruitful work of the gospel that he wants to do with this church as we continue forward. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we saw here last week, Paul is thankful for the hope of the gospel and that the gospel produced faithful servants. The gospel produced Paul himself, as he described himself, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And remember then that word for apostle um, has the idea of one that is sent, an envoy. It was almost for many um, centuries in the Greek, it had the idea, it was used by seafarers, ship captains and things that talked about someone that was an envoy that would travel to represent a important person. Well, the apostle is one that is the envoy and representative of Jesus Christ himself, right? The other apostles in Paul in a unique fashion, as he saw was uh, Christ was revealed to him after the fact, after his ascension, and yet he still qualified as, as he mentions here, that he was called by Jesus Christ because it was the will of God. It wasn't something that Paul, it wasn't a spiritual promotion that Paul had been seeking for years. All right, now I get to be an apostle. <laughs> Waited all these years. No, this is something God said, you're going to do as he put his faith and trust in Jesus. The gospel worked powerfully. Confrontation on the Damascus Road with Paul. And he is now one of these leaders, a representative of Christ that is proclaiming the message to the world. But also Timothy, one of Paul's designated sons, Titus as well. I'm sure Paul had a lot of sons, but in particular, Timothy is one of those that's a very close companion, one of his sons, that becomes such a part of the spiritual family that literally Paul now just describes him as your brother. Just a part of the family, spiritual family. Timothy, I'm so glad he's with me. And then the gospel that worked in Timothy's life as his uh, grandmother and his mother shared with him the truths of, of God's word, the truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is powerful to work in these men's lives. And also we're going to see, even in verse 2 and later on, how the gospel worked into the people's lives that lived there in Colossae. And how it was brought to them. And so now they are saints. Saints um, that are the anointed ones. A common description of God's people in the New Testament. Chosen of God. Anointed ones. And they are also faithful, a committed spiritual family members. Faithful brothers and sisters. You can add that in Christ at Colossae. And they are described here because of the powerful work of the gospel. These people are faithfully serving. And Paul rejoices in that, even in the beginning of this letter. It's more important. He does describe that they reside in Colossae, but even more important is where they reside spiritually. And that is in Christ. Folks, wherever else we reside and where we live, the most important thing, description of us should be that we are in Christ. 
It is. It is the crucial one. And through the gospel and through our trust in that gospel, we can literally have relationship with Christ. We can have new life through him. Um, we can be a part of the vine and, and grow and experience all of these things. Where we are spiritually, we must be in Christ. That is the um, root of everything else that happens in our lives. And these people are. And so we see the gospel working powerfully. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. In their relationship with Christ, God shows them grace and gives them spiritual well-being in the midst of all kinds of troubles and difficulties. No matter what we face, the promise of spiritual well-being, that peace that only God can give, folks, is available to all of us. And so, and furthermore, as we continue then, verse 3, again, this is a review. We must we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord aspect means that they were submitted to following after him in obedience, uh, that they were servants of Jesus Christ, and also that he, Jesus, that word Savior, that they had accepted his salvation, and that motivated them to then call him Lord. And if we trust in Jesus, folks, there ought to be a part, and certainly as we continue to grow in our relationship, where we ought to gladly um, commit ourselves to service of Jesus as Lord. But he gets to call the shots, and we submit. He also is called Christ, that messianic um, um, title that shows that he was the anointed one that was promised from the Old Testament on that Messiah was Jesus. And who is his father? Well, it's God. It's the God, the father of the universe. And if God's his father, that means that Jesus is God as well. And so um, who does Paul talk to and think when these overwhelming blessing, blessings well up in his heart? He thanks God because he knows that God has done all of this. He's giving credit to God, our Father, for the work and for his plan and what he did through the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows that this is the work of God. He says, we thank God for his work every time we pray for you. And if you know anything about Paul, that's a lot. Paul prays for uh, many, many churches and that he encounters and that he becomes connected with. It's a regular part of his ministry that he is on his knees praying. And a regular part of his prayers, as he mentions here in these beginnings of, of these letters, is that he thanks God for what God's doing. Well, what is God doing? Verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. We're going to see here that the gospel provides hope for loving service. It's powerful to provide hope. And to enable us to serve God faithfully. I, want, I didn't get to highlight this as much last week as I wanted to. But what were the two things that stood out? Actually, technically three. About these faithful believers in this city of Colossae. Well, remember, they were called in verse 2 faithful or committed people. They were committed to their Lord. But also that they were strong in faith in their Savior, in Christ Jesus. But a third thing, something that we all ought to covet, and that's okay to do when we talk about spiritual things, and that is that we're known for our love for the brethren, for other believers. 
a love that you have, and not just the saints in their local church, but folks, this is all the saints. Well, they don't even know all the saints in the universal church. Well, true, but when they do meet someone new, a new believer, they are able to show the love of Christ in a way that makes that person know that they are thankful for them. And so literally, Paul can say that all of the saints that you have a love for. Folks, whatever Village Chapel is known for in our community, don't you want these things as well? Don't you want these should be primary things that we want people to know about, about our church, that we're committed, faithful servants of Jesus Christ, that we have a strong faith as we witness for him. Wow, those people really believe what they, uh, what they um, talk about and, and what they share. They really believe God's word. They really depend in Jesus Christ. Those people are committed to him. And then certainly the love that we have for each other. Unfortunately, we all know this, too many churches are known for their bickering and their arguing and their quarreling. We talked, we've talked about this in Titus, and Titus, and Paul's been very clear in that letter not to quarrel. Well, that will happen in any church sooner or later, but we certainly don't want that as the overall arcing uh, reputation of a local church. But we want to be known for loving God's people, that there's a bond of love, just like the early church, that people realize it's supernatural. That's not normal. It's not. It's only through the power of Jesus Christ and a relationship with him. And these are the things that these people are known for in this church. And Paul is just rejoicing and thankful, Lord, that you're doing this work in their hearts. Well, how can a work like this take place? What is the motivation for people to act in this way? Well, then we have the last part of, or the first part of verse five. Here is the motivation. Paul doesn't always describe this in these terms, but here he describes that as these people are growing in their faith, as they're giving committed service, as they're loving each other, that the motivation for that is that they have a hope that is laid up for them in heaven. And he ties their faith and love to the brethren to their eternal hope that fuels their current faithful service. How does that work? Well, folks, as these people begin, as um, they heard the gospel message, we'll find out how in a minute. And as they trusted in Jesus and they heard that they can have new life, and that new life had eternal benefits that they would one day lay claim to, and that the resurrection of Jesus Christ had benefits and implications for their eternal life and cleansing from sin and all of these things, that God would do a work in them, but also that he had promised them future things. And for all believers, we have those promised future things that we have yet to partake in yet. Um, they realized their need and all that God provided for them. And that provided for them a motivation to serve him faithfully there in their local hometown of Colossae. Because they recognized the beautiful, wonderful blessings that they would one day realize it was the assured hope, I can put it this way, the assured hope of the fully realized new life in all of its implications, and that it was safely secured for them in the heavenlies. Can you think of a more secure location for your inheritance? It's better than a, even a bank safety vault, right? 
It's better than digging a hole in the ground, certainly, or whatever you do. Some people with stuff, you know, money or mattresses or convert their cash to gold and, and hide it away. Folks, the, the best security that you can have is an inheritance that's waiting for us in heaven. Nobody's going to touch that until God delivers. And that ought to give us hope. Paul is going to continue to describe that hope later on. So stay tuned. But that is what drives these people to realize I can trust Jesus. And we can show love to each other. Because we, we, have, we have wonderful things to look forward to for all eternity. And Paul rejoices in these things. Do we, do we rejoice this, by the way? When we hear of other ministries and, and other places where God is using people in a powerful way, does that fill our hearts with, with joy and gladness? Or sometimes we sometimes some people can get a little envious. Why won't God work this way? Well, instead of there may be reasons for that, but instead of getting discouraged by that, praise the Lord and thank Him that He's doing a work in His church now. And across the seas and, and in our neighborhoods, this ought to cause us to rejoice. Well, he continues, and this is the second part where we have tonight this message. Paul is thankful for the fruit of the gospel. He was thankful for the hope of the gospel that motivated them to serve. But he knows at the same time that the gospel won't stay stagnant, that it will provide and help grow fruit in people's lives. It will happen. Some smaller fruit than others at certain times. But the gospel will cause people to be fruitful, and Paul is thankful for that. The second part of verse 5. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. Where did this group of believers from this increasingly? Remember we talked about last week that Colossae had at one time, in ancient times, been a very significant city. Then that city, Laodicea, down the road, started being built, and Colossae started losing its significance. wasn't quite as important as it used to be, becoming more and more insignificant in a lot of ways. Where did these group of believers from this insignificant city hear of this life-changing hope? We'll see in just a minute. From one man, one man who had a burden to share with them the word of truth. So Paul says, you've heard before. How did you come to know of this hope and put that you were able to put your faith and trust in this relationship and call Jesus Lord? How did you find out about all this? Because one came, we'll be described here in a minute, and they heard the word of truth, the gospel, a beautiful description that the gospel is the word of truth. Folks, it shouldn't surprise us, right? Jesus is the Word. We saw that in John. He is the Word. The very um, ex explanation, exclamation, the very representation of who God is. And, of course, Jesus also described himself as truth. He is the Word. He is truth. So everything that Jesus says is true. And, therefore, his gospel message that comes from him is certainly the Word of truth. And that's powerful. And so as these people in Colossae heard the gospel, that is true. We can fully depend upon its truth. We can be confident in its promises. They had to hear the spoken word, by the way. They had to have that explained to them. And one did come and do that. 
and Cain, and his name is Epaphras. He's one of the faithful servants that imparted the message of the gospel to the servants of Jesus Christ to now um, they will proclaim it to the world. And we'll hear more about him in just a minute. But verse 6 continues, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you. The power of the proclaimed gospel that came to their city is not just doing a local work, but it's the same powerful gospel that they heard about that is doing a miraculous work literally around the whole world and bearing fruit. Again, the gospel is not stagnant. God's word will provide and will uh, draw people to himself, and it will bring fruit. We, we constantly are thinking, we have this uh, missions board right back here. We talk about a new prayer meeting. We talk about our missionaries on a regular basis and what God is doing around the world. Even then last week, I gave you that, uh, that example of uh, Brother Nair in India, right? In India. But folks, you can't hear his story without hearing and seeing the power of the gospel, right? I mean, the gospel is working as powerfully today. In the midst of all that's going on, as it did back then, and it's bearing fruit. God's word is just as relevant for us today as it was in the time of Paul. Paul says that in the, the, the gospel with its power that's working in your lives, that's the same thing that's going on throughout the whole world. That's God's plan. That's my commission, or Jesus Christ gave the commission. It's Paul's mission to see that the whole world hears the power of the gospel and trust and increase in bearing fruit. And he, so he describes it in this way. He says that same power, he brings it back to them as well, as it does also among you. This power is working among you since the very day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Paul is emphatic about this. The gospel is working. And folks, if you, if, if, as a believing church, that we proclaim Christ, we shouldn't lose hope that the gospel will be working in us and enable us as well. Remember Paul's emphatic statement here. The gospel will work. It does work among you. Have confidence in that. And remember that as we go forth and proclaim it to others. We need that reminder of what Paul says here. And he describes that the very day that they heard it from this one man, that the Holy Spirit gave them understanding, understood the grace of God in truth. The Holy Spirit isn't mentioned there, but obviously it's understood that he provided understanding through a relationship with Jesus Christ, through the grace of God in truth. They saw, these people saw God's grace of eternal hope that was freely offered to them. Even though they were undeserving and they made the right choice, they embraced that offer of salvation. They embraced God's grace and they understood that it was nothing. It was not of their works because Paul is going to admonish later on that there are people uh, teaching some sort of legalistic works philosophy and Paul says it's not through works and he even has that understanding here it's by the grace of God and you understood that 
As soon as you heard the gospel, you understood there was nothing that you could do to earn salvation. But you understood it was all by God's grace, and you recognized the gospel as truth. You see how many times Paul is describing the gospel as the truth of God. We can have our full confidence in it, folks, and we should. Just as you learned it. Well, where did they learn it from? Well, the gospel here produces fruitful service. We're going to see here the gospel enables committed service from one named Epaphras, just as you have learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. Seems as if Epaphras um, heard at some point, we don't know how he came to Ephesus, but most likely he ended up in Ephesus. Maybe he was traveling there um, from Colossae to um, meet some friends, or maybe he was going to, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the small town guy wants to go check out the big city and see what it's all about. However, Epaphras ended up in Ephesus, most certainly. It had to be uh, while Paul was there, and somehow as he's strolling the streets of mm -hmm. Ephesus, he comes into contact with the preaching of the gospel that Paul is giving. And he embraces that gospel message and he stays with Paul for a, a certain amount of time and he's mentored. But that whole time of Paphras is burdened, Paul, I got to take the gospel back home. I got to go home and share it. Paul says here, um, Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. Again, that word beloved is only for believers. There's a love that we share, folks, that's only understandable through a relationship with Christ. You can't fake it. Um, and Paul says that we that he is a beloved and we recognize him as a beloved fellow. And remember this, the Greek word for servant is bondslave. That's one of Paul's favorite words. He considers himself a bondservant or a slave. And he says Epaphras has that same mindset that Timothy had. That he is a servant, that he calls Jesus Lord, and he is submissive and fully committed. He is a bond slave, a bond servant as well, like the rest of us. He's a faithful minister of Christ, but he's on your behalf. He came and gave you the gospel. He, he, he was concerned about your spiritual welfare and for your good, on your behalf, he shared Christ and has made known to us your love in the spirit and then has come back and reported the fruitful ministry that Paul just described and the love that's growing in their hearts um, and the power of the gospel that continues to grow as they share the work of Jesus with others. And all of this, he says, in the spirit, the work of the spirit amongst these people, which is proof positive that they really did have a relationship with Jesus Christ because the spirit's working through them. Powerful, fruitful work of the gospel in this in seemingly insignificant city of Colossae. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the story of, of St. Patrick. It's kind of a misnomer that he was labeled as a saint. And they ties him in with the Catholic Church. And really, if you've ever studied it, um, it's really a remarkable story of a man. I won't go through all the aspects and all the details, but it's worth your if you can find a copy of it, or there's audio stories about it too, of a man that was taken captive as uh, Rome was disintegrating and taken to Ireland. 
and was forced into slavery. Actually, I say a man. He was a little boy. Um, the Lord miraculously saved him. And he, he recounts this. I don't know all the particulars. Okay. Um, but he said that he had a vision in the night that told him to leave his slave master's um, home that um, he would find freedom. And so however that happened, that was in his mind or whatever, somehow God was moving him to leave and to get on a ship. And they actually, the, the men, the pirates that were commanding the ship allowed this boy to get on the ship and go back to Rome where he was reunited with his family. And normally that would be the end of the story, right? He got home, praise the Lord, somehow communicated to him. But God was going to use that. And God put a burden in that boy's heart who had now spent so many years in a pagan foreign land that he needed to go back and share the gospel and tell, tell people about Jesus Christ in that pagan, that wicked culture. And even as Rome continued to disintegrate, as he grew and as he studied God's word and he became proficient, and a, a well-known figure, he at some point as a young man went back to Ireland and he had inroads, right, to share the gospel. And folks, God used him powerfully through him to start a major Christian center that maybe you don't know this, actually protected many Christian documents and many translations of the Bible when Rome was being destroyed and overturned and overcome. God used that little island of Ireland to preserve many documents and still, and, and many uh, library documents about languages and things that still are important to us today. Because one man had a burden to go back to work to his childhood and proclaim Christ. Epaphras, one guy, he could have stayed in Ephesus. He could have hung out with Paul there and continued on in ministry, but he had a burden for a city that he had grown up in that was becoming more and more insignificant. And he said, Paul, I got to go home, share the gospel. Well, folks, in the end, as we finish this tonight, we do realize, right, that even though we hear these miraculous stories around the world, even if we go to our mission uh, bulletin board and hear about how God's working overseas and we hear about how God is doing great works in large cities even in, in our country and working powerfully in uh, multiple ways through, through powerful people through uh, dynamic speakers and different things folks you realize what Paul's saying here as well right that the gospel just doesn't have power in those places gospel works powerfully here in little insignificant Colossi, no not Colossi in where? in Hopkinton, in Henniker in Hillsborough the power of the gospel and even through one or two or a small church named Village Chapel Baptist Church that just has a burden for their hometown for the place where they live can God work powerfully in us to proclaim his word as well, just like he did with Epaphras? You know, we don't hear a lot about Epaphras. Think about that. He only shows up in a few letters. He's not uh, constantly talked about like Timothy and Titus and Apollos and say anything about his great speaking skills like Apollos had. 
He's just a papyrus who had a burden to tell others in his hometown. Folks, that can be us. And be, through the power of the gospel, God can do a work in our hearts. You realize that the result of this for a papyrus and for the church of Colossae is Paul writes this beautiful letter where we learn much about his power and all sufficiency. God can do amazing things through us in this area of New Hampshire as well. We're not forgotten. His power works supreme through the gospel in our lives too. So be encouraged in that. And let's be faithful where he's called us to be. Rather, no matter how insignificant we think that our area is, it's not in God's eyes. And he will do a powerful work through us when we're submitted to him, submitted to our Lord Jesus Christ, to proclaim as ambassadors his word today. Father, thank you for this reminder, this little book, this rather insignificant guy named Epaphras from a worldly standpoint. Not a lot said about him. But oh, how significant he was in the lives of those people in his hometown that he came home to share the gospel with. And he will be significant for all eternity. As through his ministry, the ministry of one man, the power of the gospel shook people to their core to help them see their need for Christ and established a powerful community of love, faith, and committed service there in Colossae. Or help us not to doubt that you can do that here too. Through maybe rather insignificant people here as well. Help us to boldly claim your promises and go forth and believe in the power of the gospel. And it is fruit bearing and effective. And we look forward to seeing what you will do. This we ask in Jesus' name that we pray.